play. play it. This is the Astro League Fantasy Football Podcast. League specific news, information, and stats with your obnoxious commissioner, Maddie C. G'day and welcome to the Astro League Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your obnoxious commissioner, Maddie C, and I am host of the show. We are 16 fantasy football players from Australia who used to be a real gridiron club. The playing days are over and the club is no more but for this competitive 16-team league. We've been at it since 2010 and we've evolved the rules, the scoring and the size of the league over time to be what we are today. But we're also 100% Aussies living in Australia. That combination, I think, makes us a complete unicorn. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Astro League Podcast, where there's new content every day and there's more ways to interact with our lovely little show. Now, it's big news time. Big news. This week on Tuesday here in Oz is the 26th of January. It's our national day. It's Australia Day. The reason that's significant to the podcast is that it's the day we've chosen to decommission the original podcast feed. We do have another one available now, though, and the question is, how can you tell if you're on the feed that's going to be decommissioned? Well, here it is. Check the episode artwork. If you are listening to the show where the logo for our show has a swagman's hat over the O in the word Astro, no fear, you're already on the feed that's living on. If not, okay, you've got the feed which has a logo with a text box written right over it mentioning the fate of that podcast feed. So, simply click the show description or the details for the podcast to find a link and that will give you access to the other feed. Subscribe to that. The feed that is the original one, is going to disappear early this week. So to keep on getting your favorite Aussie fantasy football podcast, you'll just want to check those details out for yourself. Now to business, and there's a lot of business too. It is the off season. We have no fantasy football matchups again right through until September. And that's a bloody long way away. So, you know, what does become of the show here for the next eight months? Absolutely nothing is going to change is the answer. We have a Pretty big lineup of shows that will take us up to and through the end of the NFL season. And after the NFL season, we keep rolling as we approach the time of year that NFL players find new teams in free agency when their contracts have ended to find new teams to play for. And we also go right through the time that the NFL teams pick the newest players eligible to enter the league at the NFL draft. Even then, we roll on through camp and preseason right into the time of the year where we start to prepare for drafting our own teams here in fantasy leagues and, in particular, our own league, the Astro League, where we draft in late August. We're going to talk with great guests from within the league and outside of the league about the fantasy impacts of each of those events in the NFL's off-season. And we're going to bring strategies and real-life preparation tools for those of you who play in a larger league. Because, you know, there's really, truly no resources out there for leagues like ours unless we create them ourselves. And that is pretty much how this show even got started. Now, here is a lineup of topics you'll get shows on in February. My main man, Seahorse, he is not finished with his civic duties as sheriff. He's talking about how you go about approaching scoring and rule changes and things that are often neglected, like the kicker and the defense. He's also going to talk about how you add flexibility to rosters in a big league like ours and explores ideas on a full draft day experience heading into our draft period and even what it would be like to be able to trade your picks on the day. We have a couple of guests from outside the league too. My mate from the Dinky Die US and A, Evan Flay, is going to stop by and he's going to look at the draft class of players who've already finished their college careers that will enter the NFL. 
We're going to talk about who they are, the players that you'll want to know about now if you play Dynasty League football. But, you know, there's a lot of names you'll even want to get familiar with through the offseason if you are a season-long fantasy player, just the same way the Astro League is just season-long. After the shows we did with Coach Ryan talking about college football, our Instagram kind of blew up with people wanting to learn more and especially the differences in some rules between college and the NFL. So, me old mate and former Astro Mitchy is going to come by to visit and we'll explore some of that. And, you know, we're going to have some guests from within the league too. Is You know, this is a great place for us to share our stories as Aussies who love this game that's foreign to our shores and including some of our own fantasy dream teams, which we'll go through. All this happens only in February, so we've got plenty of content to get us through the off-season. But let's start the journey into the wilderness of off-season time with the man who I've already mentioned. He is the seahorse. He is the sheriff. He's also kind of the difficult subjects commissioner, and he's here to tackle another of these often neglected subjects in rules and scoring. He's getting a bit of a cult following too. The fine citizens in one coastal town have erected a statue in his honour, so... Let's get him in here. It's the seahorse. Haskins has just been an absolute turd. You could be understood for being, you know, skittish about that. Take Fournette out of the lineup. Yeah, mate, I had a Ron Jeremy size boner going for him there. <laughs> Your in-depth knowledge of what it's like to be boned this year. Wes is going to have to realise that he's just playing like a ginger piece of shit. This is Taylor Nailed, I've got to say. Well, whenever I need things cleared up, there's only one man that I turn to, and it's seahorse. Not only is he the sheriff... Not only is he the seahorse, but he's probably my most trusted bank of information when it comes to just working out what to do when there's an opportunity to change something up or when there's an opportunity to explore further growth and, and doing something a bit different. And, I mean, seahorse, do you have much fun coming on and talking all this garbage with me? Some of the highlights of my season after I crashed out against PT. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's probably... I peaked early, and then I, I think I'm peaking in the off season. So look out for for me to fall down hard next season. That, the old off season peak—that's what you're looking for, yeah. <laughs> mate. Uh, I've got to say, this is one of the highlights of my week too—is that we get to spend time together regularly. Because, oh gosh, when we're not on mic, we spend a lot of time talking back and forth too. So I think we generally have a pretty good pulse on what our, each other are thinking. But I think that's also why it's good to share what we're thinking too, because we don't always see eye to eye mate today we're talking about well we're talking about some more of this owners group survey and the question i wanted to bring to the table today is something that you'd suggested to me well how come waiver priority is just how it is what if we did things to tweak it and change it and mess around with it because for those who aren't in our league and those who have different settings in our league every week whoever is first in the standings goes to the back of the queue in waiver priority Whoever is last in the standings goes to the front of the queue. It's like a slow player catch-up. And that just resets every week. Man, I understand you've got ideas. Uh, I have lots of ideas. Whether they're good or not, it's always to be determined. <laughs> Did you notice I didn't say you've got good ideas? <laughs> no. So it was, it was great to talk to you to get a bit of history around the, um, the waiver wire and how it works. And yeah, it is a great catch-up mechanism. Um, and the more that's been used this year, I feel, I feel like this year was used more than, than ever before. Uh, I feel like it was came down to the wire and for waivers, which made it very exciting. So I think it's a very important part of our league, especially when we start looking at the fact that we've got 16 teams, four-man benches and the starting lineups that we do. It's a lot of players that are taken off the market. We've spoken heaps during the season about how tight... Pixar for when you're 
you get an injury and who you're going to pick up to improve the team. And Taylor's put in a lot of effort and great, gave some great insight into who, who he'd be picking. And I think it's a very exciting part of our league. So understanding why it was there in the first place, um, I think gives us some good perspective on what we may be changing in the future if we do make any changes and what that could potentially impact. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think the the whole reason we ever did it that way, for a while there, the idea was that, hey, if you ever got to being first waiver priority, you would just keep it until you used it and everybody else would come in and out of the queue and just re-enter at the back of the queue whenever they used waivers. But really thought, hey, you know, that probably doesn't help the worst teams get better. And, I mean, really, because it's such a social league, I thought it was important. Do you think that's probably fair? I think it is. I think it's a great catch-up mechanism. I think it it just makes sense. I think it's shown, especially this season, with the competitiveness that people like Brendox and um, Jackal and others that were a bit further down the league ranking were still able to use it, get some good players out of it and um, get themselves back into the game, even though they were out of the playoffs. They were still able to get some wins at the end of the season there because of it. Um, so I'd hate to change that because it could be a very dire, dire season. If you had a bad draft, don't have much to change, uh, trade with, have a couple of key injuries, mm. if you don't get that sort of advantage um, to start rebuilding your team, you're gone. And who wants to sit there with no hope? You know, you can have a bad draft and still keep in it because you feel um, you feel a part of it and you get the opportunity to rebuild your team with the current system. But up being in league, enough fantasy leagues where you, you stuff up early and then you're gone and you just give up. You just don't bother setting your lineup. You pretty much ghost the season. And that's not what, what we want in this league. Yeah, gee, that was a little hallmark of some of the guys who were kind of fringe players. So I think the two things that have changed in our league a lot in time, and, and you're part of it, Seahorse, is that we've had guys who were kind of part of it because they liked being part of the football you know, team surroundings, which is great. The, the cl- culture of the club was that, that way. But, you know, the league started becoming guys who wanted to play fantasy and they weren't happy seeing a team finish 1-13 and 13 because they were interested for three weeks, their team stunk, and they just stopped setting lineups. That made nobody happy. And you're part of that because, you know, when we had a guy drop out because he's like, hey, you know, actually life's getting busy. I'm not going to be able to concentrate on this the way you guys want. It's like, wow, we found a guy who we already knew was into his fantasy football who could come into that spot and be active and be interested and want to talk about what was going on in the league. So that's kind of what was important about it, you know, is that we wanted the person who just does get off to a bad start to have that chance and to use it as well, to not just feel like, oh, all's lost, I'm out, you know? Yeah, without it, it's just a, it takes the fun out of the league because pretty much maybe, I said every time I've been in a random league that usually the bottom five are just, they don't care anymore after the first couple of weeks and you're competing against basically empty lineups. And that thing where the top half just pull away and the bottom half are all just stuck in a quagmire and don't care, that sucks. Yeah, it's shit. Like, why even bother at that point? And that's pretty much why I gave up fantasy in general because you're against yourself and looking at a spreadsheet each week for fun doesn't excite me. There's no purpose (laughs) to it. I do it all day, every day at work. Yeah. Excites you for other things, but not yeah. for football. <laughs> exactly. 
Because we're, we're stats guys. That's who we are <laughs> at the core. Uh, I think, too, the, the fun bit about having you in the league now, you've been here for three, four years. and it, I mean, it's funny to think you're the newest guy in the league still because it feels like you've been around for a long time and because you've gotten yourself so involved. So this is why I think you're a good person to talk to about it. You brought up this wild idea once in our chats about, hey, man, I get why the wave of priority is how it is, but what if at the end of the season or, you know, at the when we go back into playing divisional opponents late in the year, or when the playoffs start, you came up with a couple of suggestions for when this could happen. But changing the way that waiver system works, tell us about it. You know, I, was, I, was, I was thinking when we were talking about the um, extending the playoffs out, um, and Ryan brought up a very good point. If we went to eight, what advantage would the one and two teams get? Because currently, they get their their first week by in the playoffs. Yep. Whether you buy into that's an advantage or not, that's personal preference at that point, but it is some form of an advantage over everyone else. You get a further week into the finals. Yeah, guaranteed final four. And I mean, some people say that's an advantage, and I know we talked about it. Hey, you know, is, is there a week where you don't play? Is that it? That doesn't seem fun, you know. So how do you preserve that these people get a leg up? While they've got the risk of losing to a team who wouldn't have otherwise made the playoffs, we'd imagine, right? Because... Uh, well, we haven't really discussed then what your playoff structure is like if you do go to eight. But, I mean, I think the one that everyone's sort of got front of mind is one plays eight, two plays seven, three plays seven. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think I think the league has spoken and we're not going to extend out to eight. So, Yeah, certainly not this year. So, and that, 2021, we're not doing it this year. That's fine. That's, uh, after our last discussions um, throughout this sort of series, I, I honestly don't, don't think the... Um, number of playoff teams actually matters if it's right. Yeah. I think it goes down to that um, engagement. So in, in thinking about extending out to the eight, this is where it popped out was I was thinking at a certain point, whether it's going into playoffs or whether it's going into divisional games, wherever, trade deadline, I'm flipping the waiver, uh, the, the waiver priorities around that so all of a sudden, first starts getting a, a benefit. They're the first one up, cab off the rank from that period of time. So they start getting more advantages running into the finals. Um, because there's definitely a, a, a tipping point in the season. While we had lots of people alive still in the playoff race, coming into the divisional rounds, there was still very clear people that were locked into those playoff spots. And it doesn't take much at that pointy end of the season for one injury to completely wreck your season. And there's no way to rebuild because everyone else has the priority waivers, waivers. And we know how limited the depth is of someone decent at that point. So why why going into that is the season all over just because you were first? And I think Ryan triggered it in my head when he, he said, well, what advantages first and second have if they lose their first week buys? Um, I think that adds to it. This is something that could potentially give them that um, that advantage moving into the finals and they've got an opportunity to pick some guys up and keep their team solid, which their teams have been solid all year and they might just have one or two injuries that, that completely de- derail them and they've got nothing they can do about it. Well, now some would say, hey, just being the best and, and having the uh, easiest opponent if you were to be out at an eight-team playoff, that's an advantage. 
you're getting a middling team. Some would also say getting that leg to the final four straight away, that's the advantage. So I can see why you'd want an advantage if you drop jump out to eight. But, you know, I can also hear the argument too saying, but not all seven and eight seeds are created equal. Like, you know, if you get an ascending team who've had the benefit of good waiver wires for the last three or four weeks and they don't suffer the injury you do, now you've been number one all year and you've got to play an ascending eight who on the day is probably better than your team, even though you've been better all year. So I can feel the sensitivity around defending that you've worked all season to get to that point. But again, this is me now. I've gone devil's advocate. Oh, empathy. Now I'm back to devil's advocate again. Dude, win or go home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in our, in our group, and I think, um, you know, as we've spoken through this series as well, we've uncovered other things that we've unpacked, like, I think the big thing in this coming for the waiver wire thing is it's somewhat irrelevant if um, the other 10 teams currently aren't engaged and aren't doing anything come playoff times. Yeah, yeah, totally. doesn't matter at that point because they've just sucked up uh, however many people they have in their, um, in their roster. They're just gone now. Yeah, it's 130 roster spots filled that aren't available to anyone. And also aren't competing. Um, so even me coming into playoffs this time round at first seed, it was slim pickings. <laughs> if I had a serious injury, there, there was no one to pick from. Yeah, that's a thought, isn't it? I mean, you were lucky not to have the serious injury. You did have some questionable form in that all of a sudden, Russ and DK just kind of fell off a cliff, but you weren't replacing them, right? No, I, uh, I nearly... Um, nearly Pulled off a magic, magic trick at the the game versus TC, but idiot me didn't save the roster swap with um, uh, DK and the whatever six string uh, charges wide receiver, whatever his name is, Johnson. Yeah, or something. Well, his name something Johnson. Something. Um, I would have won it, um, but that's okay. That's that's the fantasy gods, but <laughs> no one else was scoring more any more than that at that point. So. It was pretty much dead. You you pretty much at that point because there's you no know, the the trade di- deadline has um has triggered. You're locked into your team. So if you're you're on that down downward spiral, you're really on that downward spiral at that point too. Well, at that point in the season, week thirteen finishes. Week fourteen, you're getting a buy, so you're not playing anybody. But the people who were available to add. Shockingly, in a 16-team league, were guys like T.Y. Hilton, who had a terrible season, all of a sudden started making some money. Uh, Mike Williams, the receiver for the Chargers, who's been patchy all year. Someone sort of dropped him along the way as well. Jeff Wilson, who sort of happened into work for the 49ers later in the year as a running back because everyone in front of him was getting hurt. So they were helpful guys, but not for you because you had last waiver priority. So the best available guy by the time your waiver priority comes up is, man, I could probably do with a better defense, and that's what you do. Yeah. Like, that's not a great advantage for a team who are first. No, it's not. I like, this isn't – I, I want to make it, make it clear. I know TC and um, Taylor are going to pick up on me for sounding like I'm a sook and having a, having a <laughs> whinge because I didn't, didn't take that number one seed that – through to the uh, final and win it. Yeah. But it's really not. I think it just highlighted to me from uh, looking at it that 
maybe the balance is too wrong in the favour of that catch-up mechanism. And I think TC would have beaten me anyway. Maybe. But I, I think in general, the um, it just highlights that 130 people out of the market bang gone in one, one foul swoop just because the date changes. But there's, I think there's some opportunities to change how we're dealing with that um, oh. to keep things a bit more interesting. Um, but again, this is the difficulty when you've got six teams in the playoffs and there's only the other 10. They're just they've automatically gone inactive. They've got nothing to play for. We've either got to sort of I, – I feel in some ways we've either got to go to the extreme and if they're not going to get engaged and involved, which if that's what the league decides, that's fine. We have playoffs and that's it. Don't want to do anything to compete for lotto picks or whatever we end up choosing. That's okay, but yeah. I almost think if that's the case and we've got to open up those 130 players to be picked out of, it just seems just seems like such a – such a waste, such a dead period that um, I don't think we're getting the quality finals that we should be. Like, uh, Jolio was also lucky he had the first week by because he only put up, like, 50 points. Oh, yeah. Like, that's... There's something wrong there, isn't it? If your six best teams are there putting up, up absolute rubbish. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> and that happens every year, right? It's not... Um, so I think there's something broken, something broken in the playoffs. Well, see, I, I think it's, is this a case of both? Okay. If we're going to have six teams in the playoff, there is an advantage for the top two teams, the bottom four in the playoff. Okay. Well, they just sort of got to muddle by and do what they do. And sometimes you're going to have a team who put up a good week and sometimes you're going to have a team who put up a bad week. By the time you get the sixth team, you start to hit the top part of the middle of the league. So the teams that win as much as they lose, kind of. I mean, this year was a bit uncommon that we had teams even outside the playoffs with eight, eight wins from 13 starts. That's, that's extraordinary. And, and at the bottom of the league had four wins as well. The, the top only had nine. The bottom had as many as four. It was crazy close. So this is probably an uncommon thing that might not happen again, and this year might be the worst to measure it on. But in years gone by, there's always sort of that seven and six team who get in because they've won a division, and no one expects a lot out of them. In some ways, you could almost say that this year was better because the anticipation should have been higher, having all eight win teams and a couple of nine win teams at the top, and and it should have been really, really crazy close. It's just that, you know, Jolio's team puts up like 60 on the week he doesn't play, and barely that again the week where he does play. He's just kind of had two rough weeks. Yeah, but I, I feel like that's to do with the fact that you can't do anything to change at that point, like as soon as that trade deadline ticks over and you've got 130 people off the market, you know, like you can feel when the some people are going a bit downhill, but you can't do anything about it at that point. So, so what we're about in this league, is it purely luck? Is it purely the, um, the fantasy gods and the fortune they bestow on you? Or is it, are we looking for opportunities where people can can choose their own destiny? I mean, some of it's got to be the luck part, doesn't it? Some of it has to be. That's kind of the the allure is that, hey, I don't even need to have a better team than you. I just need to have a bad day and I can beat you. And, you know, that that's kind of the fun of it sometimes that you've got an amazing team and sometimes it's amazing and sometimes it completely forgets to get out of bed and 
sometimes someone's real throw it together team has a magic day and six moons align. I mean, for Joel, what what does he do? He's got Kirk Cousins, he's got Gurley and Mostert, who Mostert gets hurt in that game. Okay, that's unfortunate. Gurley's role shrunk as the year went on. Okay, well, he sort of knew that when he drafted Gurley at the start of the year. His receivers were tip-top, Woods and Thielen. He'd gone out of his way to go pick up Logan Thomas, who was lying around. Uh, you know, Debo Samuel got hurt in that game as well, and he disappeared. So he kind of, the week he puts up 60, he does it because a few things run against him injury-wise. Yeah, he might have been more likely to put up 90 that week and be a lot more competitive um, if, if a couple of things had broken the other way. So, you know, would he have changed his team anyway? Well, no, because his team was playoff worthy. It was a two seed, and he actually he had for the base of our season and, and the way our rosters look because of how deep we are. Actually, a pretty good team. And this is the this is that I guess uh, that tough part, isn't it? Because it's fantasy. There's always going to be like involved, and that's a lot of the fun of it. Like you said, but I just can't help feel that. Especially as we're going to, as we are becoming more competitive, and I can can only see that we can. I can't see that changing. Um, while well, if you have sixteen engaged owners um, and informed owners, it's it's always going to be competitive, super competitive. Um, and I think it's only going to get more competitive next year. Same. So I think I think we've got to really look at. That structure and how it works, um, and it, like you said, yeah, maybe Joel um, mightn't have done anything to his team, but he ha- at this point he has no other choice. There's no choice involved. Once you hit that arbitrary line, that's it. You're locked in basically, and I think that's that's the problem that I'm grappling with in my head, and probably the the intent of thinking about this sort of thing is. If you've taken 130 people off the market and 10 teams out of being active, what choices do you have? What engagement is there? Um, And there's none really. Again, we go back to how active was the chat, um, how active were the games and that sort of thing. Uh, There was a pretty clear cliff that we went off at the end of the season from our chatter and our engagement and our fun to... It's playoff time. So I think it's very well worth exploring. So I think this is where we start going back to that, that waivers as a starting idea. Like if it only works if we've got the other 10 teams active because it doesn't matter. Like if you would have flipped waiver priority in the playoffs with six teams, it wouldn't have mattered who I picked at that point. Um there wasn't that many great choices. Like you rattled off two people, two wide receivers that did something. It's not a whole lot. Uh, Surprising they were available, to be honest. Well, they were pretty well rubbish the whole year. So it's just like... There were names that people would otherwise have been like, why were they available if you hadn't the context of how they performed? You know, there were names that you should own, right? If you just go on name, you go, oh, they should be owned. They should probably be started. Yeah, 100%. But I think... I think that's where the um, we're only talking two, aren't we? That's yeah. It's not it's not really exciting. There's no real big moves. It's it's, it's pretty much dead. And like that's one that's one position that has more variety in it. The other position said nothing. So I think the difference then between week 14's waivers and week 13 waivers, which was a flurry, it was something like 20 players added across the league 
in that one week for week 13 where the chips were down, the stakes were pretty high. But it also means there's 20 players who people are casting aside going, this is rubbish, and they're the things that are left for you to choose from. Um, and, and that then, you know, as you're picking from later on in the waivers, it means there's actually less available for you to pick up after 15 teams picked before you. Would the argument not be that the waivers are actually probably better in playoff time because you've got less competition for them? I think it's the fact that we're a 16-team uh, 16 team league that once that scramble's gone through because everyone's looking those last three weeks to really do something yeah. the, the quality's just not there so taking uh, taking first pick of shit doesn't make it good <laughs> at that point you're picking the world's tallest gnome yeah. and is a tall gnome not just a short person is it even anything <laughs> and not to disparage short people. It's... No, but you know what I mean? It's just like, well, you can dress up a position to say, oh, well, this is really amazing. I've got the number one pick of these guys, and look, at this is the best guy of this light. And it's like, yeah, but that's an underwhelming bunch. <laughs> oh, I'd be like... So I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. It'd be like being a, a GM on the market and getting to pick it, pick whether you want to um, be the GM for the Jets or the Lions. Like, take your pick. Oh. I'm glad you didn't throw Jaguars in there because, you know, I would have been very mad. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, yeah, gosh, when you see someone gets the coaching job at one of those places, you go, oh, you poor sod. <laughs> so I think we've sort of landed on, hey, you know, waivers, they're going to just be what they are. They're a great mechanism through the regular season. But until we sort of decide whether we want to get all 16 teams to run all 16 weeks, there probably isn't a lot of growth to be had in it. But by gum, there's some growth to be had in it if we can find a way to want people to be engaged the whole way through, even to championship week when they're not in the championship themselves. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. I think that um, there's really that clear delineation of what decisions we can make. That we've got everyone, those 16 teams engaged. That's where the waiver flipping can come in, and I think that could work well because everyone's still active. If they're not active, I, I almost say we've got a. We've almost got to do like a little redraft, make those 130 yeah. active, let it, let the finals take their pick and pick the bones apart of all the people they've vanquished for the year. Now, that sort of then sounds a little bit like Champions League, where that's a league of just six teams with super-powered lineups. Granted, it's got much deeper starting lineups, so you've just got more chance to have the best players out there on good weeks. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, gee, I was really intrigued by the idea of, we used you as an example, gee, if you get to week one of the, the playoffs and you could just pick the best player draft from everybody who's owned by other teams that didn't make the playoffs and you could go out and pick up the number two running back in the history of the universe, Dalvin Cook, because you're the first place team, you get an advantage and that plugs the biggest hole in your lineup. Man, that makes the playoff run really compelling, especially then when the second best team in that uh, that pool might have been, you know, quarterback needy and could go get a Lamar Jackson or a Josh Allen or someone like that. You know, like all of a sudden you can put a whole bunch of deodorant on the stinkiest bit and now you've got six pretty well-rounded teams going at each other. I think that's compelling. God, I'd probably vote for that. Yeah, me, and me too. And I think, again, that just comes down to the engagement that we as a league decide after the finals hit. But I could see if we don't choose to engage, that sort of that sort of draft system would create its own little event in the run up to the playoffs. It would usually be pretty quiet and dead. 
Wouldn't that be super sick, you know, say on the Thursday of playoff week, just being like, right, so it's draft day. Yeah. <laughs> Who do you take? Seahorse, pick one. Adam, pick two. Joel, pick three, whatever it is. Oh, that'd be sick. And, and I, I'd host that. I, I reckon you'd extend that out too, so it wouldn't just be a pick. It'd be like... Seahorse gets the first pick. I get to choose who goes in my team. I get to pick another player that no one else could choose. Oh. So not only am I um, picking the best, I'm able to take someone else out of the running. And as you go to, down through the list, um, each, each person gets to do that. And I, I don't know how many rounds of this draft you do. I think at most maybe three times. Yeah. I mean, yeah, this just sounds mean. A second bit. Because <laughs> then you could... Um, then things could get interesting that way. Um, you know, one, two, or three draft picks to um, rebuild the team and make it super powered for the run up to the finals. It gives everyone a chance in the finals to really solid up their team, makes the finals exciting. People get something else to watch and get engaged with. I think there could be something around that. Yeah, and I think that's something that definitely bears uh, the owners going live with too on the forums that we're going to have through the off-season where we're all going to jump into a live setting and, and start talking some of these things out before we try polling some stuff again in the preseason. Seahorse, these are always an absolute pleasure. I love your official ruling on that. Hey, if we don't have all 16 teams alive for 16 weeks, probably need to rethink the whole thing over. But gee, the rethinking also a heap of fun. Thanks for coming on and, uh, and sharing a bunch of that. Oh, thanks for having me on again. I'm, I haven't had the pitchforks come out to get rid of me yet in the, the writing campaign, so I can't be doing too bad. Not yet. I mean, this is the thing. You always got to finish the sentence with yet, don't you? Because you never know. <laughs> I'm sure it'll happen. <laughs> One of these days. Well, mate, stay well, take care of yourself, and we'll get you back on again real soon. We've always got more to talk about. Awesome. Thanks, brother. See you around. Another guy who was being drafted like he died too was... Oh, P.Y. Hilton. He's a good receiver. <laughs> he actually doesn't look great. whole career has been defined by boom. Barkley. Or bust. Yeah. Or hurt. And to see him bang out 26 points was extraordinarily satisfying. A huge F.U. to the vinegar stroke. I think every time Seahorse is on, we explore areas that are dark corners of fantasy. And when we take a torch to go in there and we start pushing and pulling things to see what can be improved, we always wind up with a great conversation. A lot can be applied to to any league in terms of doing that exploration and working on making your league better. So join me again this week as Coach Ryan will call by because we're going to talk about his fantasy dream team that has a little twist and we'll do a little bit more exploration into flexibility with rosters to keep your fantasy league interesting like we're trying to do for our own crazy big league over here. Be sure to check the feed that you're getting as well because the Astro League podcast does have a constant supply of episodes coming and you don't want to miss out. You can find a link to the feed that will be live in the description of the show if you aren't on the live link that's going to stay on. If there's no link in there, then you know you're good as gold. If you can see the artwork that has the word Astro with a little hat hanging off the O, you're already in the right place. So, in the meantime, find us on Facebook and Instagram at Astro League Podcast. There's always more ways to interact with the show there. I'm Matty C., the host of the show, the obnoxious commissioner, and I'm getting out of here. Hooroo! And happy Australia Day. Play Play it. This is the Astro League Fantasy Football Podcast. League-specific news, information and stats. With your obnoxious commissioner, Maddie C.